Hello then, welcome to today's episode of Impart Podcast. My name is Pastor George and as always, I am delighted to break the bread of God's word with you today. Friends, this is a new day and a new week. This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. It's another week of great opportunity for you to excel inch closer to all that God has in store for you. Today, we're going to be considering two portions of scripture that tells the same story from two different perspectives. One is Matthew chapter 8 from verse 5 to 13, and then the second will be Luke chapter 7 and from verse 7 from verse 1 to 10. So, those are two synoptic accounts of the same story. Okay, the title of our episode today, really I'm torn between two titles. Um, I am tempted to call this episode The Believing Unbeliever. On the other hand, I am tempted to call it The Fate of an Outsider. The fate of an outsider. As a matter of fact, well, let's go with the fate of an outsider. But what we're really trying to pull out from here, it's show the the attributes of a certain believing unbeliever. Seemingly unbeliever, in my mind, it will be in, in parenthesis. Okay? Now, this is the story of the Roman uh, centurion who... Us came in search of a miracle for his servant who was sick at the time in the Bible. But let's begin with Matthew's synoptic account. Matthew chapter 8 from verse 5 to 13, I believe, and I pray this will bless your life. Let's read it. Now when Jesus had entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed. Um, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come unto my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I, uh, I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes, and to another, come. And he comes, and to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not in Israel, and I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out. This is a very strong statement. I'll take that again. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be whipping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Let it be done 
unto you as you have believed. And his servant was healed that same hour of Koshadandibakota. And unbelievers seemingly an outsider exhibiting such a great faith, so much so that he was commended by God. And Jesus said, let it be done unto you according to your faith. And so it was. Mm. Now, before we even uh, uh, try to extrapolate the attributes that this uh, centurion displays, let's get a quick understanding of who a centurion is. Uh, in the Roman army, during classical antiquity, uh, a Roman a centurion was a commander, normally of a century, and a century was a military uh, unit originally consisting of a hundred uh, soldiers, what they called um, legionnaires or legionaries. Now, the size of the centurion of the century changed over time and the number dropped from 100 uh, to 80, okay, uh, became 80, but originally it was 100 soldiers in that are called the legionaries or in the century. A centurion was an officer in the army of the ancient Rome. Centurions got their names because, again, like I said, they commanded a uh, hundred men, but the number eventually dropped, okay? Now, some were appointed by the Senate or the Emperor or elected by the comrades, but most were enlisted men promoted through the ranks after 15 to 20 years of service. Before you attain that position, you must have been in service for a period of time. A company commander, they, they held important responsibility. The centurion held important responsibility, including training, giving out assignments, and maintaining discipline in the ranks. When the army encamped, centurion supervised the building of fortifications, which is a crucial duty in the enemy's territory. They also escorted prisoners and procured food and supplies when the army was on the move. Now, there's something you must hear now, understand about centurions. The Roman army was an efficient killing machine with centurions leading the way like other troops. Okay. They wore breastplate and chain mail armor, um, shin protectors called grave, greaves, and a distinctive helmet so their subordinates could see them in the heel of the fight, in the heat of the fight. So the Roman soldiers uh, uh, or centurions led the way. They led the way in the in, in all the several killings that the Roman soldiers will carry out. Now, in battles, centurions stood on the front line. They stood on the front line, uh, leading their men. They were expected to be courageous, rallying the troops during the tough fighting seasons. Now, if any one of them is found to be a coward, they could be executed. <laughs> and Julius Caesar at the time considered this officer so vital to his success that he included them in his strategy sessions. 
They were courageous men who led from the front. They were not backline leaders. They were frontline leaders. They were in the front, on the battle front, leading the men, courageously taking steps, rallying the troop to advance against the enemy. This was the role and the kind of courage and faith in the sense that the Roman centurions exhibited. This was their training and this was how they led. It will occur to me that this was the attribute that this man brought when he, uh, the character that he brought when he had the encounter with Jesus. Now, my goal here really is to try to point out or extrapolate some of the attribute that he displayed when he had this encounter with Jesus that led up to his miracle. Are you ready? Now let's go. The first attribute I see here is that the Roman centurion knew and addressed Jesus as Lord. He acknowledged the Lordship of Jesus because in verse 6 he says, Lord, he called Jesus Lord. He says, my servant is lying at home. He knew and address Jesus as Lord. If you are ever going to experience a miracle from God, you have got to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So he displayed that. Not only did he acknowledge and, and, and address Jesus as Lord, he also acknowledged his personal unworthy state in the presence of Jesus. He said to him, I think it's in verse 8, he said, I am not worthy for you to come into my house. If you read Luke's synoptic account, he said, not only am I not worthy for you to come to my house, I'm also not worthy to come really to you because you and I because of who I am my antecedents and me being quote-unquote an unbeliever I am not supposed I'm not worried to stand in your presence whether you come to me or I come to you so there is a way that this man was able to recognize and acknowledge his unworthy state in relative to Jesus his inadequacies, his shortcomings, his limitations. He was not ignorant or at least pretentious of his, of his unworthy state. He acknowledged that he was a sinner. And one of the ways that we can approach and encounter Jesus and effectively experience a miracle from him is first of all acknowledging his lordship in no particular other. And secondly, all acknowledging our unworthy state, we must come to the realization that we are unworthy and we need a savior. We are in a sinful state and we need the Messiah. We need the savior at the point then we surrender to his lordship. But if we do not acknowledge our, our, our need in a savior, our unworthy manner, our sinful way, we will stay in our pride and sometimes pretentiously so and to our detriment. But not so with the centurion, even though being an outsider, <laughs> seemingly what I call the believing unbeliever, the fate of an outsider. So number three, he also acknowledged the efficacy and the power of the spoken word of God. The centurion had faith 
in the power and ability of the word of God to heal his servant. He said, don't bother coming to my house. I believe and trust your word so much. I know what your word can do. This is a Roman soldier. This was not a believer in today's context of a Christian, of a believer. He said, say the word only. You don't have to come. Goodness, I wonder if he read and knew that Jesus, the Bible says, uh, I, sent, I sent my word and he healed that disease. I wonder what he knew about God, what he knew, what he had read in the Bible, that he believed so much. And coming to meet Jesus, he acknowledged that Jesus had the same power and authority that he sent or spoken word. It's powerful enough to heal his servant who was laying uh, lying sick at home that Jesus didn't need to come physically but that there is power in the spoken word of God dear friends you believe God you're believing and trusting God for a miracle have you acknowledged his lordship number two have you acknowledged your need for a savior and have totally surrendered your life to him number three do you believe in the power and the ability of not just the spoken word but even the written word of god do you believe that the word of god is able to heal even today because the soldier exhibited that attribute he acknowledged the efficacy and the power of the spoken word of God. And he had faith in the power of the word to heal his servant. Number four, the centurion soldier acknowledged the supreme authority of Jesus. And he in turn submitted unto it. In verse nine, he said, uh, I am a man under authority. And then he says, I, I said to this, come, and he comes, I said to this, go, I said to this, go, and he goes, I said to this, come, and he comes, I said to my servant, do this, and he does it. He said, Jesus, and he said, well, you, I, I understand authority. So in, in a sense, I know that you have a greater and higher authority. And so I don't, I know what it means to be a man in authority. So I and I, people submit to me who are subject to my authority in the same way that people submit to me who are subject to my authority. I am also submitting to you because I have recognized, he didn't say this in this word, but this was a display of the action. I have recognized that you are of a higher authority than and me and because I understand what it means to be in authority and what it means for people to submit to authority and having recognized your authority, your supreme authority over my I am willing and humble enough to submit my authority because my authority is subject to your authority. My authority is not superior to your authority. My authority is, if anything, way lower than your authority. And in the face, in your presence, I bow my head and submit unto or under your authority. What an attribute. He didn't let pride get in the way. He didn't let knowledge and intellect get in the way. He didn't let exposure get in the way. He didn't even let his, his, his connection, his positional advantage, being a Roman centurion, one who commanded a hundred troops or a hundred soldiers, 
legionaries. He didn't let dad get in the way. He didn't let his accolades, his achievements get in the way. His titles get in the way. His trophies and awards get in the way. He didn't let none of those get to his head. He submitted to the supreme authority of God. Believers, if you can hear me, wherever you are listening to me, one of the ways that you attract the blessings of God onto your life and the miracles in your life that you desire, with all the other things that I've enumerated earlier, you have got to submit to the supreme authority of God. He's a final authority. It's a final authority. Even sickness knows that. Uh, diseases and infirmities know that. And they submit under his authority. What the Roman soldier did without knowing is that he's not only submitted himself under the authority, but by so doing, he brought his household, the sickness itself, into submission to the authority, the supreme authority of God. Mm. Number five, number five, his faith in God and understanding of the dynamics of the kingdom was highly commended by God. He had faith in God and he had an understanding of the dynamics of the kingdom and this was highly, highly commended by Jesus. The Bible says when Jesus heard it in verse 10, he marveled, he marveled, he was astonished. And he said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, not even in Israel, not even amongst the Jews, not even amongst the seeming believers, quote and unquote, not amongst the Christians, not amongst those who profess there's faith in today's time. Not even amongst them. This is extraordinary. This is commendable. This is marvelous. This is astonishing. This is something on earth. And then he goes on to say, mm, uh, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take a seat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. Can you imagine what it says in verse 11? That this guy has displayed so great an attribute. What a commendable attribute of faith. What a faith of an outsider. What a believing unbeliever. He has demonstrated such a great faith. And now Jesus is thinking, it looks like in the last days, many will come from outside, from the east and the west, and they will sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But then he says, but the children of the kingdom, the sons of the kingdom will be cast out. The ones seemingly who are supposed, this is exactly what happened. The Jew rejected Jesus and all of that happened. And today we can reject him too. Even though it was meant for us, he came for you, the believer. And you could be a believer in today's context and still miss out on the benefit, the promises that have been given to you, the benefits of, of being a believer. So much so that an outsider who may not be a believer keys into, submits into, takes advantage of the provision that are originally meant for you. They prosper, they benefit, and you miss out on it. God forbid. God forbid, God forbid. He said many will come from the east and the west, seemingly from outside of the fold, and they will earn a place with Abraham, a sitting position with the fathers, the patriarchs of faith. 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. There is room, there is an opportunity for a non-believer now to make it to heaven. He can, obviously, by submitting, by certain attributes, by understanding of those dynamics, he keys into them, submit his life, and he has opportunity of making that some who think that they're already on the inside may miss out on their position, may miss out on what God has already ordained for them, the benefits, the fringe benefits that are that should originally and ordinarily accrue to them. May you never miss that which God has already prepared for you. May you never miss it. May you never miss it. I pray for you and I that God will open our eyes day by day that we can do all that we need to do in accordance with his word and requirements from us, expectations from us to maintain and take advantage in the sense of that which God has prepared for us. May we not miss all that God has proposed and ordained for our life because of ignorance, negligence, disobedience, pride. <clears throat> okay, wow. Wow, what, what, what a fate of an outsider. The unbelieving believer. Okay, quickly, quickly. Let's quickly look at Luke's synoptic account in Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 10. Now, when he concluded all his sayings uh, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and a certain centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he, when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him. He sent elders. This guy is so wise. When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jew because he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a Roman soldier. And Roman soldiers, are, Romans are considered Gentiles. They were not Jews. And so they were not believers at the time. Are you with me? He sent Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him, the Jews now, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Some translations said he was worthy, for he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. He was a giver to the kingdom. He was a giver to the kingdom. He loves our nation and synagogues for us and Jesus went with them and when he was already not far from the house the centurion sent friends to him saying to him Lord here is again here it is again do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof therefore I did not even think myself worthy to come to you but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come. And he comes, and to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, found the servant well when who had been sick. The other translation, Matthew's account said he was healed that very hour. He was healed that same hour. 
a few more attributes from Luke chapter 7 that I want to point out to you. It's number one is that the centurion understood the mystery of giving and sacrifice. <laughs> Sacrificial giving. The mystery of giving. He gives to the kingdom that he was not even part of. Can you imagine? He supported the work of the kingdom, even though being a Roman centurion. Because when he sent the Jew to Jesus, one of his own seemingly, he and they went there and they said, Jesus, the person who is asking you to come to him is deserving of it. He's worthy of it. They pleaded with Jesus' goodness, his act of sacrificial given preceded him. It for, oh my God, before God, it became something that they used to, to present before Jesus. He's deserving. He's what in that he was a giver. He gave to us. And the Bible says they said that he loved their nation so much that he has even built synagogues. A Roman centurion supporting the work of the kingdom at the time. Building synagogues for the Jews to worship their God. There was something he was laid up, not even realizing that the seed he was sending ahead will one day speak for him. It was a mystery and though he may not have at the time submitted his life to Jesus perhaps, but there is something inherent, an automated blessing that comes from the, uh, the benefit or the principle of sowing and reaping. It answers to all. The sowing and principle of sowing and reaping answers to all. Answers to all. And it's available for all. And you might be an unbeliever yet benefit and benefit from that principle. And yet the seemingly seeming believer will miss out on it because of a lack of obedience to the principle. And that's what happened here. The other point that I want to point out is that his sacrificial given was acknowledged by the Jews themselves. They acknowledge, they say, he loves our people. He loves our community. He loves our nation. We can attest to that because look around you. Some synagogues that we're worshiping today was built by this man. He was a giver to the kingdom. So I submit to you, dear friends, that his faith in God Though being a centurion, an outsider, an unbeliever, and his sacrificial giving where the seed was the seed that buttered his miracle. His faith in God and his sacrificial seed offerings and givings to the work of the kingdom were the seed that buttered or aided the burden of this miracle. This is indeed what James called faith with works. Faith with works. He didn't just have faith. He showed it in his work.
work. He displayed it in the manner in which he had this interaction with Jesus. Whether you look at the account of Matthew or look at the account of Luke, there were qualities that this man displayed as I end up and I recap real quickly. Number one is that the Roman soldier acknowledged and addressed Jesus' lordship. He recognized it. He knew it and he addressed it. Number two, he acknowledged his unworthy state in the presence of Jesus. His need of a savior, he acknowledged that. Number three, he acknowledged the efficacy he had faith in the efficacy, the power of the word of God to heal. He had faith in the word of God to heal. Number three, number four, he acknowledged the supreme authority of Jesus Christ and he submitted unto that. And number five, his faith in God was under, his faith in God and understanding of the dynamics of the kingdom was highly committed, commended by God. In other words, he had a, a a sound understanding of the dynamics of the kingdom and days was commended by God. And if you go number seven now in Luke, this is took it taken out of Luke. Uh, uh, the centurion understood the mystery of given and given even sacrificially, and his sacrificial given was acknowledged by the Jews themselves. He tapped into a mystery that today as believers we may miss out upon. And I've come to bring all of this to you. It doesn't matter where you are currently and you believe in God for a miracle. There is faith plus work. Faith and work. Faith and work. James says faith without work is dead. Faith without works is dead. But show me a man who said he has faith. If you show me his work, and I will tell you if indeed he really has faith as he professes. Because you can't just say it with your mouth and don't act it out. And don't show it. And don't display it. I am in desperate need of this and this and this and that. But where is your act of obedience? Where is your works that is in correlation that supports and backs up your faith. I believe your word can heal. I know you are Lord. I know you can. I submit to you. I am in need. I am limited. I acknowledge and recognize that and I will submit direct under you humble and come under your authority. I pray for you today that in any area where you need God to show up in your life, I pray for the grace to know what to do part time, how to believe God, take God at His word, take God at His word, acknowledge His lordship, submit totally under Him. And the end, tap into the mystery of the kingdom, one of it being mystery of giving and even sacrificially malieta mokuski brakata maika and by so doing I pray that heaven will open for your sake that God will intervene in every area of your life where you're believing him for a miracle where you're believing him for a touch where you're believing him for something to change and I stand in faith with you that this day and this week may you experience a miracle of note a note 
visible miracle, one that will make men to be dumbfounded, one that will cause men to be speechless, that will bring glory and honor to God in any and every area of your life as you submit to God and believe unto him, tap into his word, hold on to the word of God. This week, even as we enter this festive season, as we get closer to the celebration of Christmas, I pray that there will be a miracle in your home, in your life, even now, in the name of Jesus. Everyone who is listening, who is sick and afflicted in whatever way, now I address the spirit behind that sickness. By the power in the name of Jesus and by the authority in the blood of the Lamb, I say be healed now in Jesus' mighty name. It is well with you. It is well with your mind. You are whole and healed in your mind. And you are healed in your body. You are healed now in the name of Jesus. Whatever that sickness is, every spirit behind this infirmity, behind that sickness, no matter what your name is, all kinds of sickness and disease, I speak to you now in the name of Jesus. Be healed now. Be healed now. Be healed now in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus said to him, let it be done unto you according to your faith. And I say the same to you. According to your faith. Lord, wherever you find faith now, touch them, heal, deliver, set free in Jesus' mighty name. You will testify. The Lord be with you and bless you and keep you till I come your way again. Thank you for listening. I remain yours truly, Pastor George. Be blessed and have yourself a 